All right, we're going to be in Psalm 78. The title of my message today is The Bread We Need. The Bread We Need. After getting to Psalm 78, you know, we mentioned several times, like three times, that the Church of the Springs in Dripping Springs, Texas, is worshiping with us online today. Let me tell you about their pastor. A lot of you have met him before. Uh, He is the man who taught me how to read the Bible and discipled me. So every time I preach, I preach on his shoulders. So it's such an honor that I get to preach to his church digitally today. And there's been a COVID outbreak in their church. And so a lot of their leadership base are in recovery. So uh, that's why we are able to worship together. So we're praying for you, Church of the Springs. And your pastor is amazing. We love it when he preaches here. And I cannot wait for him to come back. You know, some coincidentally, he usually preaches the weekend of the SEC basketball tournament. I don't know how it always happens that way, but it may happen that way in 2022. So let's count on that. Man, we're so, so happy to read God's word. And at the conclusion of our text today, I'll present this as the word of the Lord. And if you choose, you can respond. Thanks be to God. Psalm 78, starting with verse 23. He gave a command to the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven. He rained manna for them to eat. He gave them grain from heaven. People ate the bread of angels. He sent them an abundant supply of food. He made the east wind blow in the skies and drove the south wind by his might. He rained meat on them like dust and winged birds like the sand of the seas. He made them fall in the camp all around the tents. The people ate and were completely satisfied for he gave them what they craved. And this is the word of the Lord. Well, we know more than any other human beings alive about space. It's it's amazing what we have discovered in the last 70 or 80 years, and there's been a recent acceleration. Um, I've seen a lot of streaming shows that have been about space, some documentaries, some um, reenactments, some futuristic. Um, I get this text uh, about the International Space Station, and it says, the space station will be crossing over like at 4.30 in the morning. So for a while there, I was the weirdo standing in the street looking in the sky. The problem is when I did it the earliest, I couldn't find the space station. So we have a little bit of a problem. I get excited when the space station comes over my house, but I never can find it. So I have to convince Beth to find the space station for me. And there was a couple of family events. I see, you know, my my nephews and my sister and brother-in-law where like I made the whole family go outside to see the International Space Station because, guys, a space station with people are passing over us. I mean, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? But it's the same thing every time. It's a dot that just kind of moves across the expanse. So, you know, five or six times after I did this, Beth finally said, hey, this is it for me. (laughs) The kids had already given up a couple of other times. I mean, like how many times do you have to see a dot come across the sky? So, okay, I'm satisfied with that. Last week, I think, or or in the last 10 days, this was amazing, and you probably saw this too. I was driving to work 
uh, when the company Blue Origin sent, um, it was a second space tourism, but it was the furthest space tourism that had ever happened. Virgin Galactic had done it a few days earlier and sent uh, four civilians into space. Now, that was remarkable, especially how the rocket returned right where it, was, where it was launched from. The whole thing is just remarkable, but equally as remarkable, and I'm not proud of what I did, but I was driving down 386, watching that on my phone with, with one eye. I was watching the road most of the time. <laughs> so this is incredible too. Not, not only is our, our civilians in space, Uh, but I'm watching that as I drive on a phone. So sometimes we don't realize all the technology that's happening. 66 miles above us, that's the, that space. We can go 66 miles. People in biblical times, imagine heaven was just behind the sky and just behind the clouds. And heaven seemed physically close. Well, now we know that at least from our perspective, we have a limited perspective. Heaven isn't so physically close. It's not just right behind the clouds because we understand the galaxy and we understand um, space itself and the universe. But really heaven's closer than what people used to think because people used to think heaven was, they didn't know this, 67 miles above them. But heaven actually is a dimension is a realm. Heaven is, you know, something, something that's greater than we can even conceptualize. And it's close. It's, it's overflowing into our lives. Heaven's overflowing. I believe that, that the throne of God opened up for us as we worshiped him this morning as, and as we continue to worship him through this service. Heaven is invading earth through God's people and obedience to scripture. So in the physical realm, we could say, well, heaven's further away than we thought, but in reality, it's closer than we've ever, ever could have imagined. It's, it's invading us. It's breaking in. It's breaking into our lives. It's breaking into our fellowships. It's breaking into society itself. So here's... Here's the first point I want to make today. God opens heaven over his people. You can find this in U version. You can write it down. But, but I, I want you to be encouraged by this spiritual truth. And there's a lot of scripture in this. And to our media person, a lot of the scripture I'm going to say today are not in the computer. So just relax back there. You'll, you'll, you'll be okay. To our text today, verse 23, we already read this. But he said, he gave a command to the clouds above and open the doors of heaven. I want, you to, I want you to walk out of this room or I want you to go about what you're doing if you're watching online, realizing this, that through God, the, door, the, the, the doorway of heaven is open to you. Heaven is open over you. And there's times when that reality is, we're more conscious of it, we're more aware of it, we feel it, but there is another realm of the goodness of God and the strength of God and the power of God and everything pure and good that is open over you. Some of you don't feel like heaven is open. You feel like heaven is closed because sentiment makes us think that things were better in the past. The truth is this, 
Some things were better in the past and some things were worse in the past, but we remember them better. But some of us, we, we live under a cloud of nostalgia because we're not allowing the fresh work of God to break in today. And, and we're preoccupied and fascinated with a previous decade, our previous era of our life. And then earthly circumstances, not, not the kingdom of God, which is not always tangible. You can't always touch the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Those things are always present for God's people. The heavens are open for God's people. But sometimes when earthly institutions are not going like we prefer them to go, or the data is not good, or maybe there are certain areas where where we can tangibly say, okay, this sector of society is worse than it used to be. Well, then then we, we let the cloud of gloom come over us as if our hope are, is in our institutions or as if our hope are in our earthly leaders or as if our hope are in humanistic principles that have, that have invaded the church. Listen, no matter what the circumstances, heaven is open to you. It is not controlled by the circumstances of this world. Now, God's people were under the sovereign plan of God and they were being ruled by a Gentile ruler named Cyrus. And then the prophet Isaiah basically said, hey, I'm just gonna really summarize this in just very common terms. Hey, guys, you're not gonna rule yourself because it's God's will that Cyrus does my will. And Cyrus will rule you. You have no self-determination. How many know that when we don't feel like we have self-determination, we're like, ah, I mean, it's just like, oh my goodness. And and I understand that. But the, the Lord was clear to the people that he placed a Gentile ruler who did not serve Yahweh in charge. And Isaiah 45, the whole chapter is about that. But in the middle of Isaiah 45 and in verse eight, this is what it says, heavens, Sprinkle from above and let the skies shower righteousness. This is Isaiah chapter 45, verse 8. It may, it may say 18 in the, uh, on the, in, the, in the media, so that's okay. We'll adapt. Isaiah 45, 8. Heaven sprinkle from above. Let the sky shower righteousness. Let the earth open up so that salvation will sprout and righteousness will spring up with it. I, the Lord, have created it. So I want you to see this contextually. The Lord says he is going to sprinkle from above. He's going to open up the skies and righteousness is going to come down during a time when God's people were not in charge. Sometimes God's people are in charge and sometimes they're not. God is in control of that. Sometimes he rises up leaders in our midst who, who rule by biblical principles, and sometimes we're under the judgment of God, our God's will for the earth. He allows someone unrighteous to be a leader. But God's people panic if they don't have their people in charge. And you should not, because righteousness is open to you. The windows of righteousness are open to you, and Isaiah 45, 8 speaks to that. So here's the deal. Let me get real. 
Some of you don't like your boss and you think you'd be a better boss. But guess what? They're in charge and you're not. And God is not limited by that. You get the right attitude and you trust the right source. You watch God open the heavens of righteousness over your family, even if there's a bozo in charge of your company. Some of us can't imagine how God could have put her in authority over us or him in authority over us. But for today, that is the situation. And in that situation, righteousness will rain down upon you and the heavens will open up. The heavens will open up if your source is your God and not an earthly leader are not an earthly institution. That is not our source. The heavens often open up in the desert. The heavens open up in the unlikely places. The heavens open up in the unlikely times. That's when we discern heaven is open because when we're in charge and we have the authority and we're the leader, hey, pride comes in. There's a little less prayer there's a little less desperation for the miraculous. It's amazing how little we pray when we're healthy and how much we pray when we're sick. May the Lord give us wisdom. May he give Aaron wisdom to pray out of health and success, not just out of desperation. May the Lord help us in that. It's not easy. So I won't look at all these scriptures, but you can write them down. Genesis 28, Jacob had his high chapter three, verse 10. If you've been around church for like three weeks, you've heard this scripture before, but I'll go ahead and let you know the promise. Let me remind you of the promise for those of you who tithe, the windows of heaven are open over you. I just want you to know that tithing brings the window of heaven. It opens over you. I'm a lifelong tither and I can testify to that. Matthew 3, 16, Jesus came out of the baptismal waters and the heavens open and the spirit descended. That's why water baptism is important. I mean, listen, if you are a believer and are resistant to water baptism, man, I, I, I question what is that unwillingness? Because that step may be the key to opening the doors of heaven and your awareness that the doors of heaven are open. And then I love Revelation 4, write it down, look it up later. Revelation 4, speaking of our future, talks about an open door in heaven that goes straight to the throne of God. And we have access to his presence. We have access to who he is. And that's why God is great. His presence is great. The doorway of heaven is open before us. A few weeks ago, a couple months ago, I was watching this documentary about the Smoky Mountains. And it was cool. It was on Disney Plus. And, and if, you, if you want to watch it, I don't know why I said that. So I, don't, I have no endorsement deal. I, let this surprise you. I'm not an influencer, you know, nothing. So I'm watching this thing about the Smoky Mountains. And after watching that, I had this huge desire in my heart. It wasn't the desire to go to Gatlinburg. I've been there and that'd be nice to do that. It wasn't the desire to build a, a cabin in the Smokies or anything like that. It was the desire to have a hummingbird feeder. 
I just thought, man, those hummingbirds are cool. I mean, they flap their wings. Like, I mean, the ratio, speed to ratio is just crazy, you know? My grandpa used to have hummingbird feeders. So I was like, I need a hummingbird feeder. And guys, for the next 36 hours, it was just really weird. It's like, all I could think about. I know, it's just really weird. You're getting, you're getting insight into my crazy mind. So I started like researching hummingbird feeders, researching like, you know, what the nectar was, what the ratio of sugar to water, why you don't need to use the red dye. I, I put it on our little um, grocery list, hoping Beth would get that for me at Walmart and she happened to forget it. You know, I mean, I mean, it's not every day someone says, hey, yeah, get me chips, coffee, and a hummingbird feeder. That just doesn't happen every day. So finally, I, after all my research, I, I, um, I ordered it through Amazon. And so then I had to wait 24 hours. And, I did, did, and then, then the hummingbird feeder came. I was so excited. It was like a kid at Christmas. It was like a $5 hummingbird feeder. And I got my ratio and, you know, I, I, I stirred up the water and the sugar and put it all out. And, and I put it, and man, it's just, I just looked at that just with love in my eyes. It was just a dream had come true. So that was probably early May. Guys, I've only seen two hummingbirds since that time. And uh, I think it was the same hummingbird. You know, we don't have a lot of trees in our backyard, so they're like getting something and taking off, man. They're, it's like a, it's a drive-through. It's not a hangout place. <laughs> the first time I saw the hummingbird, like I was just like so excited, like joy came in my heart and I could see it and Beth and Abby were sitting on the back porch. So like a dummy that I am, I was so excited to see the hummingbird. Like I went to the glass and knocked on it to get their attention. <laughs> I said, the hummingbird's there big dummy that hummingbird took off. You know, I probably scared it off for weeks. Isn't it interesting that when we get a desire, and that was just a really dumb desire, but we get this desire and it captivates us. It, it, we can become obsessive sometimes. Or, or, you know, if you're like me, it's like, hey, I want this. I want to get this. I want to have this. Whatever it is, it could be a vacation, you know, whatever it is, you you can fill in the blank yourself. And I I want to say this, be very careful where your desires go. Be very careful where your desires go. Here's my second point today. God provides from heaven. When you realize there's a doorway to heaven, there's provision in that doorway. Look at verse 24. This is one of two Psalms that recount the history of God's people. He rained manna for them to eat. He gave them grain from heaven. People ate the bread of angels, meaning it came from heaven. He sent them an abundant supply of food. Now go to verse 29. The people ate and were completely satisfied for he gave them what they craved. And that line has really stuck out to me. He gave them what they craved. If you go back and you look at the context when this story actually exists, he actually gave them what they craved and he really didn't want them to have it. He really didn't want them to have it, but God and his sovereignty chose to. Be very careful what you desire. What we crave is often what we receive. And what's the desire of your heart? What's the desire of your heart? You, you know, I know this is really dumb, but I just want to talk about this anyway. I, I'm a huge Texas Ranger fan, just because all my life I followed the Rangers. I, I like, I enjoy watching them. Well, not for the last seven years, but 
They're terrible this year. And, 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 and it's a hobby. It's, a, it's a, a very low priority hobby. But there's one time I was getting into it a little too much. And I just thought, I don't want to give my heart to a baseball team. That's just not where I am at my age. I don't want to give my heart to a baseball team. I want to give my heart to my God. I want to give my heart to my family. I want to give my heart to my church. So, I, I, hey, I told you my story, and I feel embarrassed to even tell you that. I mean, first of all, I'm a dude obsessed with hummingbirds, and, and I like my baseball team too much. But I want you to apply it to your life, because what are you giving your heart to? What are you giving your heart to? Sometimes God gives you what your heart desires. He's a good God. But maybe, maybe he wants to work on your heart first and give you the correct desires. And I just want to say this. I say this in the Lord. I say this as a pastor, but I say this to myself too. We can do better. We can do better. Don't give your heart to your social media feed. Don't give your heart to your sport. Don't give your heart to your travel schedule. None of those things are wrong, but that has your heart. It's going to be like the quail that spoils. We don't have time to read that, that story, but it became too much. It became too much. He gave them what they craved, and it spoiled We're talking about the bread of life today, manna from heaven. So I wanted to get away from food illustrations because you guys always tell me when I talk about food, you're like, you made me so hungry during church. But how can you not talk about food when you're talking about the bread of heaven? So it was like 10 years ago, a friend of mine, you know, went from being an average looking dude to like, he was like, way skinny, almost gaunt, you know, skinny. It was a healthy skinny, but he was so skinny. So I asked him, like, hey, what are you doing? It's the first time I heard of this. He said, well, all I eat is meat and all I eat is cheese. And I've lost 50 pounds. I was like, hey, that sounds pretty good. The keto diet or the Atkins diet or the Mayo diet, give it a name, it's the same thing. You eliminate some foods, you're probably going to lose some weight. So that was working for him. And truly, I've done all three of those diets, you know, and they don't work long term. And here's the reason why. And I'm not a nutritionist at all. Because bread's a good thing. (laughs) And when my friend, I asked him, I'm like, are you going to like eat meat and cheese the rest of your life? And, And he was a worship leader. So he said, no. I'm like, how could I? And he said, Jesus is the bread of life. How can bread be bad? I'm going to reincorporate bread into my life. So that brings me to my last point. God, through Jesus, is the bread of heaven. God, through Jesus, is the bread of heaven. And if Aubrey's in the room, he can start making his way up here. Jesus said these words, John 6, 27, don't work for food that perishes but for the food, that taste, that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. 
Now, verse 28, what can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. Jesus replied, verse 29, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one whom he has sent. So I want to say this is the work of God in you is Jesus. Okay, the work of God in you is not being successful in this world. The work of God is getting more of Jesus in this world. That's the work of God in you. Jesus is our work. We even call the liturgy the work of the people. Pastor Aubrey has said several times, and it might have felt odd to you, let's work today. Right? What do you mean? We're, we're here to be entertained. You're supposed to, you're supposed to play some great music, and Aaron's supposed to land a good sermon. That's why we're here today. No, we're here to do the Lord's work, and the Lord's work is Jesus. The Lord's work is Jesus. And so back to 29, this is the work of God that you believe in the one he has sent. Verse 30, what sign then are you going to do so that we may see and believe you? And they ask, what are you going to perform? There it is. See, God's people have always been looking to be entertained, even when Jesus was in their physical midst. Verse 31, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. Wilderness. Just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So Psalm 78 spoke to that story also. Verse 32, Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 34, then they said, sir, give us this bread always. And verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. So God's people, even with Moses, are always dissatisfied with the ordinary, dissatisfied with the process, dissatisfied in waiting. And so our desires get polluted and we begin to ask God, make us like the world. We don't want hell, but we don't want sanctification either. Is there a way, God, you can keep me out of hell, but let me be just worldly enough to slide into heaven? Man, that's the way I've lived a lot of my life. And, and I hope that the Lord, the Holy Spirit keeps convicting me of sin. Because here's the deal. The bread of heaven is not your tangible need. The bread of heaven is not that feeling you get when you're satisfied with a good job. That's a good thing. The bread of heaven is not that, that's a good thing, but it's not the bread of heaven. The bread of heaven is knowing Jesus. He's your work. He is your work. He is the outcome. He is the focus. He is the bread of life. So really you don't have life when you don't have Jesus. You're malnourished. You're dying. And so, so many people are dying spiritually because they're not, they're not eating the manna from heaven. They're not eating the bread of, of heaven. When Psalm 78 said they ate the bread of angels and people are like, oh, is there some kind of special bread that we get to eat in heaven? No, that's not it. It means heaven was opened up over them. Heaven, just like heaven opened up for Jacob. You know, just like heaven opened up for the people who tithe through the prophet Malachi said, just like heaven opened up for Jesus, just like heaven opens up to the throne of God, heaven opened up on those people and Psalm 78 was, was singing about. And the bread of heaven came down and it wasn't, the bread of heaven was the provision of heaven and that bread is Jesus. And that's why we worship him. Let's stand together. Let's stand together and let's honor the Lord in this place today. 
Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We know that corporate worship is important. Corporate worship is important. It's important that those of you in Texas are, are watching this service together. You're hearing God's word together. It's important that we are hearing God's word together. God spoke to this congregation. God spoke to the people who are hearing this word. He's speaking from these scriptures today. And so we're going to take time to connect with Jesus. As you face opportunities and challenges in the week before you, you're going to need the presence of the Lord. You're going to need the presence of the Lord. So we're going to invite the presence of the Lord into our lives. Invite him into our lives so that, that he may be the fulfillment of every need we have. Every challenge we have. If you have, a, if you have a cell, you need to close. If you're a teacher and you're starting, you got a new group of students coming. If you're a student and you're going to a new school. If you're, if you're dealing with a health crisis, if you're dealing with a marriage crisis, if you're dealing with a financial crisis, the list could go on and on. Jesus is a common denominator. He wants to get involved and he wants to sustain you. He wants to help you. He wants to encourage you. And he will do so today. He will do so today. We're going to have a time to respond to God's word. I think a lot of you will probably want to choose the portable communion we have today. And so we have those available. We put extra of the portable communion. Those are where the bread and cup are contained together. So you can take those and get those on your own. We're going to ask our other pastors, they're going to come and prepare to dispense communion. If you want to come up front and the bread, you can put your hand out. The bread will be placed in your hand. And then if you go to the left, we'll have intinction. You can dip the bread in the cup. If you come to your right, uh, there'll be the singular cups, and you can take those. And so if you go to your right, return to your right. If you go to your left, return to your left. Pastor Josh Sakis will be to your left, available to pray with you. I'll be to your right, available to pray with you. If you have a special need in your life and you just want prayer or encouragement, we'd love to pray with you. Hey, let's... Um, confess the greatness of our God through our confessional prayer and ask for the forgiveness of our sins as we call upon the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If our media person has that available, they can put that prayer up. But if not, we already know it by heart. Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me and all of the world. The table of the Lord is open.